Hello and welcome to the first episode of 2021 of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host Sam Brooks and I'm joined today by Raphael Jokobin, Francesco Amesbury and Tom Serrup. Welcome everyone, hope you have had a good new year. Okay and so first up we're going to uh, start with the Milan clubs and how they got on this weekend uh, and both teams still marching on uh, doing well in 2021, uh, well kicking off the year well it seems. Um, Milan got a 2-0 victory away at Benevento, whilst Inter won 6-2 against Crotone. Going to come to you first, Raphael. What, what did you make of both teams' performances? Who were you most impressed with? I think Inter came out looking the best out of them now this weekend's games. I mean, not just from the scoreline itself, but the fact that you know they were, they were being given a tough time by Crotone for the first, I'd say, about 20 minutes. And then they managed to turn things around and obviously you've got that Lautaro-Martinez-Lukaku combination that's just blistering and just keeps getting them goals. Um, then obviously you've got Varela as well. So I think mean, generally, just by virtue of their attacking prowess into have, you know, have come out looking looking better. Obviously their defence still looks a bit suspect and Danovic still isn't quite up to speed. But I think definitely when you compare that to the Milan game, in terms of the performance, you know, it was, it, it's becoming, well, it's, it's becoming a bit of a, a bit of a habit for Milan these days, actually, to just grind out a performance, grind out a result, even though, well, even though they've depleted by injuries or just generally things aren't clicking well in the, in, a, in a particular game. I mean, Benevento definitely gave Milan a good game. They, they should have buried their chances. They had, they had a few, Especially in the second half, uh, especially especially against ten men. So I don't think, well, I think the result somewhat flattered Milan a bit, but obviously they got the job done. They they keep their unbeaten run going. Um, I think the, the decisive factor is that Kier is back from injury. I think that helped a lot in defence. Donnarumma was once again decisive in mean, that save off um, off Lapadula, which which was very good. So. I think in terms of uh, in terms of putting out a performance which shows that they're uh, they're in good form, I think Inter Inter have definitely done better. But you have to you have to look at the Milan performance and think that you know how how are they gonna how how are they gonna lose? Because even though they're putting in pretty average performances on a on a collective basis, they're still they're still grinding out the points. There was two very different victories for the Milan clubs this weekend. Obviously, you had Inter, as you said, sort of struggled in that first half a little bit. It was two all at the break, but you know, in in the end, one one six two. Um, whilst Milan had to grind it out, having gone down to ten men, with Tonali getting sent off just after the half hour mark. Francesco, um, who sort of stood out for you this weekend? Obviously, uh, Raphael touched on Lukaku and Lautaro, but from a negative standpoint as well Vidal gave away another penalty and remains a bit of a you know some some feel he's a bit of a liability for Inter right now and and then you had Tonali getting sent off for Milan so what what were your thoughts on the two games yeah I mean I think uh the point about Vidal is is quite an important one actually um because I feel like for the first time this season Conte's come out and criticised Vidal and I think that could be quite a big deal in terms of the way into play going forwards 
because such a lot was made about how much Conte wanted without the during the transfer uh, window, um, and it was such a protracted transfer, and it seemed like Vidal was definitely Conte's man. It's comprehensible why Conte would want to play with him so much because he's kind of defending that decision. But I think increasingly over the last few weeks, there's been a call for Inter to play more with Sensi. Um, and Sensi came on at halftime uh, this week, which is the most he's played for a while. And he was really good again. And in the last few weeks, every time he has come on, he's made a difference. He's set up goals. He's, uh, he's won penalties. And that is th- that, those are things that Vidal has not been doing. I actually think Vidal has been really poor this season for Inter. I think... Most of his performances have been average and he's made some really terrible decisions. He's cost them in the Champions League, especially when he got sent off against Real Madrid in a ridiculous manner. And uh, he gave away a big penalty against uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. He gave away another stupid penalty this weekend. But for the first time, Conte came out after the game and actually said, you know, Vidal is not a fixture in the team. He basically has to get back to training properly. And I think that's important. I think it's... It's kind of paved the way for him to play other players. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if Sensi did start the next game. And I think that trio of Brozovic, Sensi and, uh, and Barella could help him to play a little bit better because at the moment they are, they're doing well and they're scoring lots of goals and they're getting results, but it still feels like they're not playing very fluid football. I, f- I feel that there's uh, still a margin for improvement there. So I think, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that Conte's come out and criticised Vidal could be could be interesting. Could mean that that midfield kind of turns a corner, if you like, and changes direction. In terms of the Milan game, I'm increasingly impressed, kind of, by Frank. Uh, uh, I mean, Rafael's already mentioned Donnarumma, who had another great game and is becoming increasingly a leader. But but I also think that Frank Kessi came out and had a, another very good game, and increasingly looks like the the leader of this side. I mean. He's, he's all over the pitch. He scored again. He scored a penalty. He, he hit the post. He could have scored uh, another goal. But um, I think one of the doubts we had about the Milan side was a lack of leaders. They're such a young side. And especially when Ibrahimovic got in- injured, um, people were a bit worried that they might not have the kind of experience to get through games. But other, pe- other players are, are emerging, like... Um, like yeah, like uh, Donnarumma, and I think especially Kessi, who was excellent again this weekend. So I think both of those can, kind of things stood out for me in these two matches. With Milan, I think you make a great point. They um they do have a very solid spine to that side now, um in terms of leaders and in terms of performances on the pitch. Uh, and the Vidal situation will be interesting because Inter have plenty of you know, uh, options in that area with Sensi, Galliardini, who's been better this season than, than the previous campaign, and maybe even Christian Eriksen, although, of course, it does seem he probably will be on his way this window. Um, I now want to move on to Juventus. Um, they, obviously, pressure was on them last night, having seen the Milan clubs win, um, but they won 4-1 against Udinese. What, what did you think to them, Tom, as, as they bounce back from that shock defeat to Fiorentina just before the winter break? I mean, when you look at this game, it was basically the Ronaldo show. He scored twice and assisted Yeza as well. And you really felt that Juve still have defensive problems. And I'm, just, I'm sure Juventus fans' hearts sank when the pool started home in the 10th minute. It was later disallowed, but it does show that Juventus are still kind of struggling defensively, especially against stronger sides. 
And I, that might be more to do with the fact that Ramsey and Chiesa, in, particularly in that game, were kind of pushing forward a lot more. And then Danilo and Alexandru are both attacking-minded players as well. So while the Juventus did do quite well, I think when they face tougher opposition, they sort of need to be wary of the players on the wings pushing forward because it could really hurt them. Reports coming out today suggest that um, Demiral um, at centre-back for Juve is, is a bit unhappy about his playing time this season. He has had injuries, of course, as well. But it seems that at the moment, Pirlo's preferred partnership is Bonucci and De Ligt. Uh, Bonucci's been receiving quite a bit of criticism. Raphael, c- could you see Demiral perhaps coming in for Bonucci anytime soon? Or do you think Juve would be happy to let Demiral go um, either this window or possibly in the summer? I think he should replace Bonucci, especially on the evidence of, well, the first half of the season, really. I think there's definitely been a sort of a golfing class between Bonucci and De Ligt. Not, not, not necessarily in terms of, um, well, in terms of mainly just uh, awareness and positioning. Um, Bonucci obviously offers a lot in terms of the way that they uh, they build out from the back. Obviously, that's that's one, that's always been one of his main qualities. But I think as a as the leader of the defense, I think the De, De just stands out for me. And Bonucci has been caught out a lot of times this season. We saw I mean, just in the um, in the Fiorentina game, we saw I think two of their goals basically came from Bonucci uh, just coming out from the back and losing the ball which led to uh, which which led to a, a quick um, a quick counter from Fiorentina so i i mean he is he is clearly starting to become a liability but at the same time he is he has got that sort of he's, he's a sort of piece of personality at Juventus he's he's one of those He's on those stalwarts in a way who, you know, they've been there for a while, save for his, um, his season at Milan. He's, he's been there for a while. He is, he's, he's part, of the, uh, part of the furniture as well. So I think, I think Pirlo is going to have to make a decision and sort of weigh the, weigh the pros and cons of keeping, of, well, of keeping Bellucci in the lineup or not. I think in terms of just generally the way the defence functions, I think it should be a matter of time before De Miral comes in. We've seen this season how Pirlo has regularly rotated the midfield and the attack. He's been quite steady with the defence, but um, yeah, it will be interesting to see how he handles that situation because Bonucci has um, you know, not looked his most convincing, particularly, as you say, in that Fiorentina game. I now want to move on to another team who got a thumping win uh, this weekend. And this was somewhat of a surprise, actually. And that was Atalanta beating Sassuolo 5-1. I think a lot of people were really looking forward to this game. Two of the best attacking sides in the league. But uh, in in the end, it was pretty one-sided. What did you think of the match, Francesco? And are you starting to see signs that maybe Atalanta are clicking into gear and could go on a long unbeaten run as they did around this time last season? Uh, yes, I am. I, I definitely think they can. Um, they uh, they look really good over the weekend. Uh, scored five goals again, and actually, since Gomez has been frozen out, um, which has there's been a lot of focus on that. They've they've actually averaged four goals a game. Um, they hammered Roma. They they won against they 
there was a draw in between against uh, sorry yesterday there was a draw in between against Bologna but but going forwards they've been really really good and I do feel like there could be a run coming from them and I think it's also worth mentioning the fact that they are actually in a pretty good position already um, it feels like they've not had such a great start to the season if you look at the league they are in seventh but actually they're only three points from fourth and they have a game in hand so they really are close to being in the Champions League places again. I also think it's worth underlining the fact that other players have really stepped up uh, since Gomez has been frozen up. So we've been frozen out. We've seen a return to form from Ilicic. Zapata started to score again. Pessina had a great game yesterday and he looks a real good addition. Um, and that's without mentioning the guys who came on from the bench, just like Muriel, Miranchuk, Malinowski. So they've got loads and loads of options in that area. I think it's quite easy to think of when you of Atalanta is still a medium to small club and you think that Gomez is such a big player that not having him would take so much away from the team. But actually they have quite a lot of depth in that area of the field and so they're not missing him much. And, and I definitely think that regardless of whether he stays or goes, Atalanta could have a very good kind of second half of the season and, and challenge again for, for Champions League qualification. Right, yeah. Um, and I saw, um, as, as you mentioned, we saw uh, Pessina having a really good game yesterday. And uh, he, um, he, he was excellent on loan at Hellas Verona last season. So, um, so that was uh, really impressive. And got, well, yeah, we, we got Cesar Pata back in the goals as well yesterday, scoring a brace. He loves playing against Sassuolo. I wanted to touch on Sassuolo with you, Tom. Um, are you a little bit concerned for them, given that they started the season so strongly, but um, they've also had quite heavy defeats against, well, Inter and, um, and then yesterday, and they also lost against Milan in a game that many thought they might step up in. So are you a bit worried that their form started to tail off a little bit? I think Sassuolo had a good run, and we shouldn't you know, discredit that they did really well at the start of the season. But I just think that mid-table is their realistic positioning based on when you look at their squad and just historic past results in general. And they had like a good run. They were lucky in a few games. They played well. But when you look at Atalanta, who just closed the gap behind them by, I think, just one point, and when you looked at the actual game, Atlanta were just a better team. They have better players. It's a more expensive quad. And when Atalanta played Swaswalo on the weekend, really effectively were able to neutralize uh, Swaswalo, especially Berardi, who I think Swaswalo over the last few weeks have definitely been over-reliant on. And I'm not sure, you know, if Berardi is not having a good game, then the team does not have that dynamic necessarily. So, yeah, I think this has been kind of, they just, they, they're past their peak now in that sense, where they had that amazing opening 10 games. And this is back to reality for Sassuolo fans. Yeah, it seems maybe Europa League uh, qualification is the best they can hope for. But certainly the way they defended yesterday, particularly those last couple of goals, um, you know, if they continue to do that, they, they won't even get uh, in the Europa League places. Um, Moving on to another side who's sort of battling in and around that top four and could even possibly push higher if they can get a run going, and that's Napoli. Uh, they beat Cagliari 4-1. Um, were you impressed by Napoli, Raphael, or was it more about Cagliari being poor? 
and and are you a bit concerned for Cagliari, given that they're they're falling sort of closer towards that relegation zone now? Um, are things starting to go wrong already for G, for Di Francesco? It does seem like it. Yeah, I think Cagliari have been. Well, I mean, it, we'll see if um, if Nine Golan's arrival sort of beefs up that midfield and sort of gets them back on track a bit because. I think the midfield is the main area where they were they were being dominated by by Napoli, and that that is the area that made the difference, not just in this game but in other games. I think, yeah, the the midfield is really well. the The area of the pitch that I would pick out is sort of where where Cagliari are um, are losing games essentially. And if it wasn't for um, it wasn't if it wasn't for Cranios, who's really just won them a lot of points this season, I think. They would be basically, they would be a lot further down than they are right now. Um, so yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll see if Nine Golan and maybe someone else in the uh, in the January window can come in and sort of change things around. But I think as it stands right now, it's not looking good for uh, for Di Francesco. I think in terms of the Napoli performance, they, the the task was made easier for them by 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 the opposition. But I thought. Zielinski was excellent. Not just his two great goals, but also he just played well across the park. He was he was quite a presence. So, but and but then yeah, as for the rest of the team, there it, there was a bit of an ebb and flow situation about them. I think Lozano, for example, didn't have a very good first half, and then sort of re-emerged in the second. So there is a sort of, I guess, a sort of inconsistency about Napoli, which. You sort of wonder whether they can they can string together a good run of results, or at least a run of results that's enough to qualify for maybe the Champions League or at least at least the Europa League spot. But yeah, so I'm not sure I'm not sure we can judge that based on this game just yet. But obviously, it is a great start to the to the second half of the season for them. Yeah, Zelinski's couple of goals really were very impressive. He's, he's sort of been criticised for being a bit inconsistent in the past, but he was certainly on fine form yesterday. I want to come to a team who actually beat Napoli a few weeks back, but could only manage a draw yesterday, and that's Lazio. They drew one all with relegation threatens Genoa. Uh, Francesco, why is it that Lazio can't seem to string results together? We've seen them obviously beat Napoli. We've seen them beat Dortmund in the Champions League but they can't seem to string things together. And are you starting to get concerned that maybe Simone Inzaghi has taken this side as far as they can go? Yeah, I mean, it is a bit of a mystery to me why Lazio have been so inconsistent in the league because I've actually watched more of Lazio in Europe this season and in nearly all of their games, they've been excellent. Um, They've looked like a a smart, well-prepared and mature team. And there doesn't seem to be any obvious reason why they wouldn't be able to replicate that form in the league. I think one of the things that might be affecting them a little bit is the fact that they were one of the teams most affected by COVID. They had a relatively big outbreak within the club. There was a time when they only had about 13 players available. And they possibly lost some ground in, the, in Serie A then. And I think since then, it's possibly, there's possibly been a bit of pressure on them to, to catch up. And so every game feels like a big game because they're losing ground every time they don't win those matches because the rest of the teams that are at the top of the table are doing so well. And I think now we're in a situation where they might even be lacking a bit of stimulus in the league because the chances of Lazio getting back into the Champions League this season are looking more and more remote. 
and then you get to the situation where is is qualifying for the Europa League enough of a motivation for those players after what they've done last season? And I think that that does carry through then to to the question you asked about Inzaghi because I feel like he is probably one of the most exciting managers in Serie A at the moment and he is his stock is probably as high as it's going to be now having taken Lazio to the Champions League probably having overachieved having done that and realistically with the way Lazio set up with the financial backing that that they have and with the with the way that Lotito likes to run the, the, the team, um, every season it's going to be difficult for Inzaghi to get back into the Champions League. Realistically, Lazio should be aiming for Europa League. That is the kind of level they're at in terms of the, the squad quality that they have. So I wouldn't be surprised if an offer comes in for Inzaghi to leave at the end of the season that he does do that because I do feel like it's going to be difficult for him to to take Lazio any higher than he already has. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how that pans out. It's it's sort of going down that route of, you know, obviously they won the Coppa Italia, they, they won the Supercoppa last season. So, so how much further can they actually go under him? Meanwhile, Genoa have got four points from their last two games. They, they beat Spezia uh, just before the winter break as well. Tom, do you now think that they could survive this season or do you think it's just a short upturn in results under a new manager and things will balance themselves out again soon? Well, I, think, I remember at the start of the season, Raphael was saying that Genoa might be a surprise package and might do really well this year based on the signings they made over the summer. And they have been unlucky with the whole COVID situation. So that has meant that you know, results didn't necessarily go their way when they had so many players out of COVID. But I think they have started to play better. And, you know, the goal they scored, Tomorodov looked so good when he came on. He's very quick. And I think if Genoa start building more on their counter-attacks, I think using Tomorodov and Destro up front could be very effective. Because Kata, I think, has been a bit of a disappointment this year. But when you look at their midfield with Zappacosta, Bidet, Barami. I think if they're able to build on that solid midfield and counter-attacks, I think it would be very likely that they'll survive because they're only one point of safety. And over the last two games, they have played better than Spezia. And, and we'll go on to it later as well, but Parma were awful over the weekend as well. So, you know, there are a couple of teams at the bottom who are very close. And But yeah, I think... Over the last two games, Genoa have really put in a shift to maintain their safety. Yeah, you're right. We are going to talk about Palmer later. In fact, we're going to talk about them now. Uh, and Raphael, I'm going to come to you. Um, so it's emerged today that for the moment, Liverani is safe, it seems. But uh, they lost 3-0 against Torino. Slightly flattering scoreline given that two of the goals came in the last uh, couple of minutes of that game. But really, it's a very disappointing result. And... Do you think Liverani's on borrowed time and it's, and it's you know, a matter of days or perhaps weeks and, until he is uh, out the door? Well, they had a, they had a meeting with the, uh, the club president, well, the club owner, uh, Carl Krause, this morning it was. And they essentially said they'll, they'll, they've sort of delayed this, the uh, decision until after the, the Atalanta game on Wednesday. Yeah. Which... I mean, it's not exactly the best game to to have your job on the line for. I think um, 
I think you know, I mean, I mean, it's not really going to change the situation much because it's very likely that Atalanta are going to are going to win that. But I think it's an interesting situation because you have got Daverso still under contract actually until uh, until the end of the season, I think, with the club. So he's sort of he's sort of the likeliest option, but at the same time. According to reports, he's not really that keen on coming back and just sort of inheriting the mess that's been left behind. So that they might not be able to sort of fall back on that on that safety option. So that might be an element of their of their thinking in terms of whether to sack him or not. But obviously, it does seem like he's he's on a tightrope these days. And I mean, it's it it has been disappointing because you know. On the evidence of what of what Leverani was doing last season, we thought with a better, a slightly better squad, he might be able to to give us something a bit more, a bit more entertaining, a bit more exciting. But obviously, that hasn't been the case. So, yeah, I think he's the likeliest to 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 uh, out of all the Serie A managers right now to to leave to to be sacked. I think it is a matter of time, and I think for for Palmer, the you know the, the the earlier they do that, the better. I think dithering on the situation isn't going to help, and they've got they've got their new their new American owner these days. If he wants to sort of build a project, and if they've got a lame duck manager sort of staying on the bench, then I don't really see what that's gonna that's gonna contribute. Project nor is nor is I'm keep you know bringing back David. So not really keen on coming back in himself anyway. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out with Palmer. Obviously, you know, that they have been, as Tom mentioned, truly shocking uh, in the past few weeks. Um, and I don't think many give them much of a hope against Atalanta in midweek, but we'll see how that plays out. Um, we're now going to come on to Roma. Uh, normally, we mentioned Roma much earlier in the show, but they weren't in one of the more entertaining games this week, but still managed to get a 1-0 win uh, to remain in third place. Uh, they, they beat Sampdoria. Um, what did what did you think about them, Francesco? Um, and, and what do you make of Roma? Because they have overall had a pretty good season. I don't think many expect them to be third at this stage. But then they have had two heavy defeats against uh, Napoli and then against Sassuolo. So, do you have some concerns about how those games were so one-sided? I I think that Roma, the re- I suppose the reason that people aren't talking to them about them as much as some of the other sides is because their record against the, the top sides has been poor this season. Like you've just said, uh, they haven't, I don't think they've beaten anyone in the top six yet, but they have been very good against everyone else. And I think actually this weekend, this result was a really good one considering how the game went. They created lots of chances, but they weren't able to score. And then eventually they did. And that's a, a good thing for them because it's the kind of game that they haven't been winning in the past. Um, I think they're a very settled side. I think, they have a smart manager. I think Fonseca already knows what he's doing and he's got the players playing now. And um, it depends on what, what you think Roma's aim was at the beginning of the season. I'm not, that, if, if, I'm not that concerned about the fact that they're not turning over the big sides because what they've done so far would be enough to get them into the Champions League. And I think if you had said to anyone at Roma or any Roma fans at the beginning of the season, would you take Champions League qualification, considering they haven't been there for a little while, and considering they weren't really favourites to be there at the beginning of the season, they would have all said yes. So as long as they continue to win against the lesser sides and, and 
accumulate points, I think I'm not that concerned. I think Champions League qualification would be a great result and they're on course for that at the moment. Yeah, they, they certainly are. And uh, as you say, an, an important win for them, them, given that perhaps in the past they'd have drawn or even lost that game. Um, another side who ground out a result this weekend, they seem to do it regularly, were Hellas Verona, who beat Spezia 1-0. Um, do you think perhaps Verona are actually better placed to get into those Europa League spots um, in terms of their consistency than the likes of Sassuolo and Lazio, Tom? I'm not, I don't think they can. They beat Spezia, who haven't really been playing well recently. They started well, Spezia, but since the start, they've been sort of slipping down the table and they're actually in the relegation zone now. So they weren't able to assert their dominance the way a side competing for European places should be able to against a side like Spezia. And they only managed to score after Chabot was sent off. Uh, Spezia were playing for 10 men and they were only able to get one goal. And I think Verona penned a lot of hope on, you know, Kalinic just came back from injury. And I don't think he had the desired impact that, that fans were hoping he would have. And I think it really depends a lot whether Kalinic, if Kalinic is in form, we've seen that in the past at other clubs, then Verona could potentially be competing for those European places. But I don't know, because Lazio weren't, they obviously they drew one all, but I don't think they they didn't play that badly. So they did create chances. They just weren't able to bury them. So I'm not sure. Because that would just narrow one 0 win against them and Spezia doesn't look that good in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, but basically obviously last season they finished just inside the top half and it looks like they're gonna be there or thereabouts this year. So we'll see if they can push on slightly further. By the way, if no one's seen that Zakanyi goal which got the winner, that was a stunning finish. Um, and the final game of the weekend was Fiorentina-Bologna, which surprisingly ended nil-nil, given that both these sides normally love to concede goals. Um, Raphael, do you think Fiorentina are starting to maybe turn the corner? That is two clean sheets on the trot for them. Or do you think the Juve victory was a bit of a one-off? I mean, I think the biggest news is that Bologna actually got a clean sheet. For me, that's yeah. just... That's just the most notable thing out of their game. But I mean, at the same time, yeah, um, Fiorentina, you can see they they were never going to replicate the Juventus performance across other games. I think that's that's a bit too much to ask. You know, at the same time, there were some positive signs from that game. I think the fact that Ribéry is seemingly seems to have returned to form is massive for them. I think he's he's going to be key. In terms of creating chances in the uh, in the rest of for the rest of the season, I think it was yeah it was it was a bit of an off day for for both sides. I think there's not really there's not really too much you can say about the game other than just they've they've sort of they both shored up their defenses, which which can only be a positive thing for Burantina because of how many they've been they've also shipped. If they can if if Ribery can maintain this form and if he can bring in the other players sort of around him to to convert their chances more consistently than I think Prendelli might have something might have something going for him. I think we'll, we'll have to we'll have we'll have to see obviously for in the games to come. But I was I would be cautiously optimistic about about Fiorentina and where they're where they're heading right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can uh, continue to rise up the league. 
uh, as they have done in the last couple of games. So we're now into January, of course, and uh, so the January transfer window has opened. Uh, we're not going to talk about too many transfers right now, um, given that we're only you know a few days into the window. But one thing that has continuously been going around at the moment is what's going to happen with Papu Gomez. As we've already talked about in the show, he has been frozen out at Atalanta in the past few weeks. And it seems that relationship is irreparable. So uh, it's, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see where he goes next. Francesco, I want to get your thoughts. Um, where do you think he will end up going uh, next? As, as we've seen plenty of interest from Italy and also from abroad. Um, I, I really don't know where he's going to go. I think um, judging by the voices coming out of Italy, it sounds like Inter are the favourites to sign him. I personally don't know how much sense that makes because um, I'm not sure how he would really fit into the to the current Inter side. I think Inter have just found a bit more balance by by going back to their kind of deep-lying midfielder with two central midfielders either side of him. And I'm not sure that Gomez could play in any of those roles. Uh, so I think he could have a, a similar effect to, to when Ericsson arrived last season and kind of caused a bit of confusion and I think probably cost Inter a bit. And so... I don't think it makes much sense for him to go to Inter, but but it, it does sound like they're interested. I think in Italy, he would probably suit someone like Milan better or even Napoli better because of the way they play, but I'm not sure that either of those clubs are interested in him. So it is difficult to know where he's going to go. I don't think he's going to stay at Atalanta now. I think even though um, if there was a way of keeping him and him being happy and not disrupting the dressing room, I think that would be the best outcome for Atalanta. I'm not sure that that's possible anymore. So I do think he's going to leave. I'm just not sure where he's going to go. Yeah, the noise is coming out of the camp. Um, you know, the club's president saying the matter's done. It does seem that Gomez and Atalanta are pretty much finished now, uh, which is a massive shame given, you know, how big a part of their success he's been over the past, uh, you know, five or six years. But uh, that's the way it seems to have gone. Um, one other transfer I want to touch on, and that's Arcanius Milik who uh, you know, hasn't played for Napoli at all this season, hasn't been included in any of their squads. Where do you see him ending up, Raphael? As it seems he'll probably be on his way this window. Yeah, with Milik, it seems like a bit of a catch-22 situation because obviously he wants to get some playing time before the Euros. But at the same time, he doesn't seem to want to, 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 to cut his wages. And his wages do seem quite high at, at Napoli. So I think right now, as it stands... Obviously, he's not in any of the squads, as you've said. So, you know, he is the only way he is going to get some playtime is with a transfer. And I mean, right now, the two clubs that really have emerged in terms of uh, in terms of potential destinations have been Atletico and Marseille, Atletico Madrid, that is. So, uh, the likeliest so far is Marseille because uh, the Marseille, the Marseille manager Andre Villas Boas. Actually mentioned his name in a, in his last press conference, and actually said that he is a, he is a player we're looking at. So I think in terms of in terms of getting more game time, that is that seems to be the likeliest option for Milik. Um, or but also, but Atletico are also looking at him as a potential replacement for uh, for Diego Costa, who left who left uh, last week. So right now, from what from what the reports have been saying. Uh, I think mean, Napoli are asking for what they've been asking for around the 15 million euro mark 
in the last few in the last few months, they might bring that down to ten million just to facilitate the transfer because obviously he is he's out of contract in the summer, so they it's a choice between him leaving for, for free and well and having the burden of his wages for the last six months as well or getting at least some sort of transfer fee and just a transfer benefiting all parties so right now it's a it's at an impasse but i think the likeliest destination is going to be marseille for him yeah certainly been a strange situation for milik um you know, over the past few years, he's been a very useful contributor for Napoli, both from the start and as an impact substitute. So whoever gets him will probably be getting themselves a few goals as he does tend to chip in with some useful uh, goals late on in games. Um, and so for the final section of the show, I now want to come to the upcoming matches. We've got a full midweek round coming up and then obviously the weekend's games. Tom, I'm going to come to you first. What what matches stand out for you that you're really looking forward to this week? I mean, it would be definitely, for me, you cannot overlook the Milan-Juventus game. This will, I think, will give us real answers whether there is a change in guard in Syria. And I'm also looking really excited to see, you know, Liao going up against Ronaldo, like playing against each other in similar positions because Liao is hit by many pundits as uh, maybe the successor of Ronaldo in the Portuguese national team. So it'll be interesting to see whether he is able to, you know, be a threat to Juventus' defence and Chesney's goal. So definitely that game and also the the Roma-Inter game obviously over the weekend because a win for Roma could see them potentially just lift themselves straight into the title race at the expense of Inter while a loss could also, a Rossoloma could also mean that, you know, they will be struggling to get those Champions League positions as well. So I think Roma Inter over the weekend, definitely. And then before that midweek, Milan Juventus. Yeah, I think the Roma Inter game is going to be really interesting. And as we touched on, you know, Roma have had a couple of very heavy defeats to, uh, you know, sort of rivals for those European spots. Inter is certainly another one of those. So, uh, you know, Roma really have to step up in that game and prove that, you know, they're not just beating the lesser teams and, and they can stand up against the top sides as well. Uh, how about you, Francesco? Have you got any any others that have caught your eye? Um, I think something to keep an eye on kind of more generally is the is what Napoli do over the next few games. Um, they've got four very winnable fixtures to kind of end the first half of Serie A. And I feel like if they're able to do that with the other teams all kind of playing each other over the next few games, they could really find themselves in a good position uh, kind of come the end of the month. So I think Napoli starting uh, to, uh, on Wednesday, they, they play Spezia and it's a, it's a game they really need to win if, if they want to be challenging for the league this season. And I feel they do have a chance of winning the league this season and this next month of winnable fixtures could, could show how realistic uh, their chances are. Yes, yeah, certainly. That, as, we, you know, as we've spoken about before, uh, they have been a bit inconsistent over the past month or so, but, but if they can string some results together over the coming weeks, they're right back in the title picture. Okay, well, that concludes the show, and thanks a lot for joining me, guys. Um, great to be back at the start of 2021, uh, and an exciting week of football coming up, and we'll catch you again next week. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.